You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by the Breeders' Cup. Good morning, welcome to the show. It's Wednesday the 22nd of March. And as I look out of the window today, a very different scene greets me. It was supposed to be the first day of spring in England a couple of days ago. Far from it. Got on a plane overnight to Dubai. Absolutely glorious here. You don't really want to hear that, but we're going to build <laughs> Dubai World Cup during the course of the week. Uh, the laughter you can hear in the background is, of course, Rishi Passad, uh, never knowingly under-traveled himself. And as I am here slaving away over this podcast, having had just a couple of hours sleep on the plane, Rishi's already had... Uh, a round of golf and is coming to me from the uh, Dubai Golf Club. <laughs> Richie, good, good morning. So true. Morning, Nick. Oh, it's great to link up once again. Uh, yes, I've managed to get one round of golf in so far, but I've only been here for six hours. So I consider that um, par for the course. Uh, yes, pun absolutely intended. Did you win? Uh, thankfully, I had a partner who played out of the skin, Tom Morgan, who uh, a mutual friend of ours. Um, and we defeated um, Ben Wong, who is leading... Racing TV's, RNG's production team out in Dubai. And Ben was accompanied by a former UK champion jockey, uh, Jim Crowley, who's obviously got a very uh, big chance on Saturday night on Mosterduff. And actually, Jim's sitting next to me, Nick, if you wanted to find out a little bit about Mosterduff's chances. Well, this show is nothing if not opportunistic. So, of course, I would like to to grab Jim Crowley for a word um, because Mostadaf was ridiculously impressive when we saw him on, on Saudi Cup night, pointing his toe and the grin on Jim's face from ear to ear. So, uh, Jim, are you there? Well, he, He's grinning now, so I'll pass the phone. Jim, do you mind having a quick word with Nick? Nick, how are you? I'm very well, Jim. Thanks for thanks for talking to us this morning. I'm just saying you were you were wreathed in a very broad smile on on Saudi Cup uh, night. Now I know the race was worth an awful lot of money, and that won't have been lost on you. But did this horse give you a feel like he hadn't done before? Hey, he did. I mean, I was um, I was blown away by his performance. Actually, um, he he'd always sort of promised to do good things, um, but like I said, that's hence why we ran him in the Arts Triumph and. But like I said, he, he really did um, put him to the sword in Saudi and uh, he won like the horse we, we thought he was. Is it just a ground thing, do you think? Does it, is he what he Because he's a very, very fluent moving horse. Does he just does he want that nice, fast ground? Uh, yeah, he does. I mean, he, he really the ground was very quick out in Saudi and he skipped off it. Um, obviously, it was a mile and a quarter that day and he showed a lot of pace. Um, he's stepping up to back up to a mile and a half. I don't think it's a problem. Um, but, but as I was saying to to Rishi earlier, it's a, it's a very very strong race, the Shima Classic. Um, it's probably a, the strongest race on the card, in my opinion. There's so much strength and depth in there, and uh, he's going to have to, you know, improve again from Saudi to to win it. I think uh, it's a belting race. You've got Westover in there, who was so good when he won the Irish Derby last year. Ryan Moore's taking the ride on him this time. You've got the Breeders' Cup Turf winner, Rebels Romance. With six ones by his name, freely available at ten to one, that just about tells you all you need to know, doesn't it? Oh, it's serious. And obviously, Equinox, one of the best horses in in, in Japan. Um, last year's winners in there as well. It really is a tough race. Um, but like I said, he goes there in good form. Um, 
John's Colston's got a great record in the race. Uh, so hopefully he'll run, he'll run a big race on the night. Anyone who hasn't seen Equinox needs to needs to look at two bits of film. The Arima Kinnan in, in Nakayama back on, on Christmas Day. And then the the piece of footage of him working on the track this week. He looks a, a proper beast, this horse. Have you managed to get a look at him? I, I've watched his races. Um, and like I say, his last race, he was very impressive. Um, he looks an absolute beast of a horse, as you said. Um, he's He's got the strongest form on offer, in my opinion, um, with Pantelassa and... You know, he's he looks the Japanese as as we've seen in the last few years have really come to the fore, and obviously he's one of the best they have. So, you know, he's going to be hard to beat. But um, listen, you know, you never know. And if we get a good draw and a good trip round, hopefully a big run. I, I was quite interested. Actually. You've you've ridden in a lot of these races in in Dubai and Saudi, and and where the Japanese are are trying to 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 really bring their their best and have a, a significant impact and we've seen how how extraordinary it's been over the last couple of seasons when they're running three four five horses in a race does it change the complexion of a race do the races tend to be more well run do you think no not really i mean if you look at the winner of last year's um shima classic he sat second it wasn't a strong pace at all and they want they won a couple of races out in saudi last year and made the running and went very steady for me, the Japanese horses, they're just solid. They they turn up. Um, they can pretty much ride them anyway. Their attention to detail is second to none. And for me, they've got the best horses in the world at the moment. And, and that's, you know, that's they're coming to the fore now and everybody's seeing that. The other thing that struck me is they're not sort of frightened to do lots of different things. You know, they'll, they'll run good mile and a quarter horses over two miles. They'll run turf horses on dirt. Do you think it's going to make the rest of the world think about being a bit more versatile with, with how we campaign horses? For sure. Um, I mean, like I said, you know, you've only got to look at Bathrat Leon, who's travelled all over and he's gone from a mile up, up in trip, down in trip. Um, Pantalassa, they're, they're showing everybody at the moment. Um, they're very versatile horses. I've never been to Japan. I, I want to go. I'd love to go and see him. But from what I can gather, they, they train them hard. The horses are extremely fit and they're solid and they, they, they run like it. You mentioned Bathrat Leon. He's going to run in the in the Godolphin Mile again. I, I I was so obvious, I suppose, in retrospect, that he could do what he, he did in Saudi because when you look back to last year, he was actually good enough to give you a lead into the final furlong in the in the Sussex Stakes on uh, on um, Baid. Yeah, he, he gave us a nice lead that day, but uh, it just goes to show how good Baid was. He, he skipped past him and made him look fairly ordinary that day. But um, no, like you said, the Japanese, you know, they're lovely people, very respectful, and um, they're having a lot of success and, and they're, they're, they've worked hard for it. Just finally, Jim, before I let you go, um, obviously Mostadaf could be quite a fun horse this year. And, uh, you know, if he wins this and then and then cracks on through the British summer season and beyond, with with Baid now, now at stud, who else are you most looking forward to riding this year? Who really stands out? Um, well, obviously, we've, we've got Baid's brother has come back, Huckham. He's come back into training, who won the Coronation Cup. Um, so we'd love to see him hopefully make up into sort of more group ones, King George, those sort of races. Um, we've got a, a relatively, um, I wouldn't say young horse, but unexposed horse called Animat with Owen Burroughs, who won the $3. I'd like to think he could make into a group one horse. Um, 
so we've, we've got some nice horses the older horses that we we have uh, seem seem to be quite nice and yeah we've still got plenty to look forward to plenty coming through i'll let you crack on jim thanks so much thanks nick bye that's jim crowley who's got a big chance in the dubai shima classic on saturday yeah. on on mostadaf uh rishi i think is is back with us uh rish i am yeah that was interesting hearing jim talking about i mean he was less he was less chatty coming off the golf course, if I'm honest, Nick. I mean, the, the look of disappointment on his face at suffering defeat at the hands of Tom and I. Um, he didn't want to talk to anyone, but suddenly he's perked up talking about Mossadaf, which is a good sign. It is. But in Equinox, he's got a formidable, formidable rival, uh, potentially. So it was five or four and a half, if you count the dead heat, Panthalassa and Lord North last year for the, mm. for the Japanese. Is there a possibility of a similar scoreline, do you think? A very strong possibility of a similar scoreline. Um, I think they've got great chances, obviously, in the Dubai World Cup itself, in the Shima Classic, uh, obviously in the Dubai turf. They've got uh, another good chance. I mean, I, I also really like the idea of Lemon Pop going for the Golden Shaheen instead of the, the Godolphin Mile. Mm. Those were the two options for uh, for Lemon Pop, who is Godolphin-owned. Um, and I like the angle of him going in the golden shaheen and he'll be carrying uh, a few of my uh, shillings on the weekend but i, do I, I the I bad news that's... do you want the bad news what what's the bad news he's already carrying a few of mine that's good news one of the shrewdest judges in international racing is agreeing with me so i, I am i can tell you emboldened got, I, by that i can tell you've got an audience this morning <laughs> yeah unfortunately no food on the table at the moment lucky um, so it's not quite like the Fitzdares Club. So you've got the Golden Shaheen sorted out, and no wine tipster in there. I shouldn't wonder either. What about the World Cup itself? <laughs> before we before we move on to domestic matters, uh, I've got to I've got to be honest. I have not been as impressed by a domestic horse as I have been by Algiers in years gone by. I mean, yes, we've had lots of good horses trained domestically through a carnival, um, going forward to the Dubai World Cup with great claims, but. Nothing has impressed me as much as Algiers has. And those two wins in the two rounds of the Al Maktoum Challenge, my goodness, he has absolutely decimated his field on, on two occasions. And the other thing about him as well is I, I don't think it would matter to him too much. You know, the, the worries about where you're drawn, what type of pace, what, how the races run, etc., and where you end up in the kickback because he's, he's faced everything. He's had tough trips in those two runs, and yet he's He's running away from his rivals. And I know it's a different kettle of fish against, you know, country grammar plus the, plus the Japanese horses. But I, I think Algiers is, is something very exciting to look forward to, in my opinion. Yeah, and clearly and clearly, uh, Ed and Simon Crisford feel the same. It was very interesting to hear what Ed Crisford was saying the other day about how different the horse has been to train since they gelded him. He's much lighter. Mm. He's much easier to get fit. He's much cleaner in his wind. For me, it's just a question of of how much pace there is in this race, whether we get a meltdown like we did last year and whether the real sluggers then come to the fore as dusk falls and yeah. the surface tends to slightly change here. Yeah, I think that's a very good point because if you look at some of the earlier races, the pace holds up, uh, you know, horses making the running and it, it tends to be that way um, uh, th through the season. You look at a lot of races run, uh, on the dirt through the season and horses to, to the head of affairs through the early part of the race. Those that can get a prominent position close to the rail, they, they tend to hold on. But um, there have been a couple of editions of the, of the World Cup where when it does turn into a bit of a slugfest and they go a good gallop, 
forces from the back can crawl into it. Um, and if you look at the two wins that Algiers has produced in the Al Maktoum Challenge, both times he's held up and he gets into the race and then he quickens away. So again, that that strengthens, I feel, my case uh, or his case uh, for, for the Dubai World Cup. Yeah, country grammar, the defending champion, is a is a wonderful horse, but he, he mm. again in Saudi Arabia looked looked as though he he lacked a bit of tactical speed, and um, I think he'll need every bit of this and and every bit of a strong a strong gallop up front to go in again. Uh, I'm I'm sure he's going to run well. You know, he has the class, and uh, obviously winning the race last year, and of course he's got he's got the assistance of a man who no doubt will be inspired to dazzle. Uh, on what used to be his home turf or home soil, um, I, I think I think you you can't rule out Country Grammar from go, going close, but just as you as you have intimated that he he's he doesn't have a great turn of foot, he just grinds away, and he needs a very strong race where they're all gasping for air in the closing stages, and he just keeps going. Um, I think Algiers has got a little bit more up his sleeve than that sort of characteristic. Ian Williams will be here in Dubai at the weekend, supervising preparations for Enemy, who is going to run in the Dubai Gold Cup. An excellent second in the Saudi very valuable Red Sea Turf handicap. A little bit of drama after the race with a missing weight cloth, but no harm done and netted the business end of 500,000 sterling for finishing second there. Uh, and he's in, in great form. He's around about a 14 to 1 shot back home. Ian, is that too big, do you think, ahead of the Dubai Gold Cup? Um, it's a big, it's a fair price, I think. I mean, I, I think this race is hugely competitive. Um, you know, when you've got the likes of Broom and Trawler Man at uh, 16, 18 to 1, I think it just shows the level of, of competition. The favourite looks strong, um, but interestingly, hasn't run over the trip, um, or I don't believe has run over the trip. And um, uh, the second favourite, um, you would imagine, would stay, but hasn't been this far. Um, subjectivist um, he's a he's a big price but I'm sure he's going to show a lot better than he did in Saudi um, so it, it's a competitive right race and um, whilst enemy has its chance there's a, there's a lot in there with a chance what you do know is however fast they go he'll travel round that's that's been a feature of his runs for you how strongly he travels through his races are you quite confident that he can really finish off a race at this trip now well it's it's quite interesting um, in Saudi because of the draw and because of the um, he was drawn on the inside and track position is vital there. Um, so uh, we had to go forwards, which is the first time we've ridden him forwards. And when Richard peeled off for his uh, for his run with three to go, um, it really was asking a lot of his stamina. And there's a big competitive field, so there should be a good gallop on. And I think we can ride him with a lot more patience with a view to stay in the trip and finish him strongly. You're his third trainer. We've spoken about this before. It's a great testament to your training skills that he's done what he's done and earned so much money for you. How much pleasure has it given you to, to achieve what you have with him? Um, I think whenever you get the opportunity to run any horse in these international races, particularly here in the Middle East, it's, it's, it's an achievement in itself. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's great satisfaction and anxiety was something that um, was really very, very good as, as you earlier said the prize money was quite amazing um, and he spent the whole season in the UK doing very well trying to pick up that much um, this is the world stage so to have horses that compete on the world stage is very fulfilling
So that's teed you up a little bit for the delights of, of Saturday, and you'll be able to watch it not only all on racing TV, but the final three races are, are coming to you on ITV as well. The Shima Classic, the Dubai Turf, Lord North going for a, a three-peat in that race, and the uh, Dubai World Cup itself concluding the programme. Uh, Rishi, we want to talk about uh, the latest round of uh, whip results. I promise we're not going to give the scores every week. It would be thoroughly tedious and, <laughs> and turgid. But obviously the significance this time is, as we expected, relatively limited action off the back of Cheltenham. No disqualifications, no really significant bans, and and the jockeys largely uh, abiding by the rules. Um, without wishing to be triumphalist on anyone's behalf, what does this tell us about where we're at right now with this much talked about situation? Well, I think it's a positive, Nick. You look through the list of jockeys who infringed the rules during the Cheltenham Festival, Sean Byrne, JJ Slevin, Johnny Burke, Harry Cobden. I'm not calling all of them, but I think um, there are only a couple couple others. Um, the fact that no one has infringed the rules to the extent of a disqualification or a significant uh, penalty. I mean, there are a few jockeys who picked up four-day bans. Um, I think it's a positive for the changes that have been made, and for all the all the kerfuffle that we've we've endured for the last uh, couple of months about whether or not it's the right time to introduce it, whether or not the Cheltenham Festival uh, was going to expose the dangers of these new rules and what uh, impact it might have. Um, and I think it's a credit to the jockeys. It's a credit to the BHA for holding their ground, um, despite the fact that a lot of people, me included, suggested that it, uh, implementing these rules in the lead up to the Cheltenham Festival and at the Cheltenham Festival itself was a huge danger. Um, and I think the overall impression from experts, uh, people who know a lot more about race riding than myself, is that the sport has benefited from the way jockeys are now riding. Um, races look cleaner in a finish. Uh, jockeys are far kinder in appearance, perception of how they're riding horses. And the fact that the Cheltenham Festival, or any festival you think, will probably be the place where um, were any rules to be infringed because of the, the nature of the competition, the intensity of the competition, which is at its fiercest in a festival, the fact that the Cheltenham Festival has gone and there hasn't been anything really significant that we will look back on and go, that was that was a terrible infringement. I think it's 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 a very positive move for, for the sport of horse racing. So I think, if anything, it's a pat on the back for the BHA, pat on the back for the jockeys. Yeah, a, a high wire And of course, act. all those people who helped make the rules up. Yeah. Well, a high wire act for sure. <laughs> Um, in the lead up to in the lead up to Cheltenham, with not much of a safety net, but uh, yeah, as you say, thanks to the um, prudent actions of the uh, of the riders and and the riders from Ireland as well, it's mm. uh, it, it, it it's had a a positive outcome and is certainly not the the Armageddon that that many feared in the lead up to it. Indeed, uh, I think that's that's exactly it. I mean. Uh, you know, the, the days leading up to it. And in fact, during the Cheltenham Festival as well, you know, lots of eagle-eyed observers were poised and ready to point out any infringement, poised and ready to, to, to say woe betide with the implementation of these rules. But Cheltenham showed that the jockeys can can handle it. They can handle the pressure. They can handle 
the changes um, and the sport, I would say, is better for it. All right. Well, you heard yesterday about plans to try and incentivize more Americans to Royal Ascot. Artorias's connections needed no incentive to come back after a very creditable effort last year, which was one of three very good uh, performances in defeat in Europe. He's a, a group grade one winner since in uh, Australia and co-trainer Sam Friedman joins me now. Sam, it's one thing to do at once. It's another to come back for another bite at the cherry, but you're, you're fully committed to this project. Just tell me why. Yeah, we are, Nick. It's... Um... Well, I think last year really um, fueled that hunger to to try and get some success. And look, he performed admirably with um, with a few things against him. He was still see, quite young and lightly raced, and I think um, he was poorly weighted, given he was a Southern Hemisphere three year old getting weighted as a four year old. I think that that has some impact on them. And he seems a more furnished horse now, and and. You know, stud duties beckon for him, but um, you know his form's been excellent since he's come back from Europe, and we're excited to try and get some redemption. I mean, you mentioned stud duties from an Australian perspective. How much will it burnish his reputation if he gets a Group One win in Europe? I think it'd be it'd be massive. I mean, you know, I think he surprised Australians a little bit last season on on how well he did perform. Um, you know there were some better sprinters around i think but but i think the the race shape of, of of them over there you know all the races he contested in probably barring france were, were to his liking you know strong speed and you know long straights i think you know australian racing is is largely around a tight corner and and you know we were always keen to see how he would perform over there under those conditions and and um if he can get a win you know particularly in that race we're targeting um, at Rask, it'd be it'd be massive for him, and, and it would potentially open up the options for Newgate to um, you know look at shuttling him. I mean, you look at the the Diamond Jubilee, the July Cup, the Morris de Geese, the three races he ran in last year, and I mean there'd be others as well if you wanted to. Do you still think the Ascot race is the one that he is most likely to win in terms of how he likes to race? I think it is. Yeah, he's um, you know. The July Cup in hindsight, and then you're still learning all the time. And, and look, he, he just got left too flat-footed when they quickened. He was doing his best work, obviously, late. Um, I think for Ascot, I think you know this season, if you've watched him, his runs in Australia, we've made a real effort of having him settle closer to the speed, or as close as we can. I think 12 months ago, we were inclined to allow him to settle and relax where he's comfortable. And... Um, he was rattling home, but he was you know, struggling to win. And I think, you know, changing his tactics this time around, he's had success first up. And I think it's um, fairly significant if he can be, you know, if he was two or three lengths closer 12 months ago in that race for Alaska, he would have, you know, he arguably would have won. So this time around, we will we'll be as close as we can. And I think that, you know, they go, yeah, they probably run the race a little bit quicker than they do in July Cup. And I think... Um, you know that 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 nice finish for him is is what will suit. And Sam, is there is there a chance you could get a, uh, another another horse or two on the plane this year? No, I think he's he's likely to be it. I know that um, Kieran Mars got plans to bring I think Cool and Gatter over for the King Stand. She's a very good filly, um, but from us it'll it'll just be him. Brilliant, Sam. Thanks so much for your time. Cheers, thanks, Nick. Yeah, Sam Friedman there. It's great that uh, Artorius is coming back to Royal Ascot. We heard yesterday that 
uh, Gulfstream Park launching an initiative to to get horses automatic entry to to Royal Ascot with that that big windfall payment for the for the travel as well with the two two year old races. Uh, Rishi, it's, mm. it's 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 the end of March now, nearly into April. It's not not far away. Yeah, and I suspect Nick that um, a lot of uh, a lot of Ascot officials will be playing. Uh, the right notes, hopefully on Saturday night at the Dubai World Cup, trying to attract a few uh, faces to the Royal Meeting. I mean, I would love to see more Japanese horses in attendance at, um, at Royal Ascot. I'm fearful that they might turn up at Royal Ascot and win everything as well. Um, but I'd love to see that. Um, obviously, the Aussies have had a great record over the years. Um, and the more that come over, the merrier they add to the the, to the mix of it um i'm sure there'll be a strong wesley ward contingent as well but um i'd love to see more japanese horses coming to test their metal because of course because it's on turf and the japanese depth that they have got in the the way they spent so many years creating this wonderful uh turf pedigrees etc um i'd love to see more of their horses coming over to compete at the royal meeting and hopefully they'll do that this year hopefully nick smith will be engaging full power in getting in getting the, the the Japanese to come over to Royal Ascot, he is a very persuasive man. He's not sitting opposite you as well, is he? <laughs> no, he's not. No one's there. I'm, I'm on my own now. Everyone's left. Well, back to the jumping now and mouthwatering race in prospect at Aintree, off the back of news that Eddie O'Leary, representing Jiggenstown House Stud said that Conflated, who Gordon Elliott really quite wanted to run in the Grand National, wouldn't run in that race and instead would, as Elliott suspected, be running in the Betway Bowl. Now, that is no easy target, uh, judged on what we've been hearing in the last few days. Paul Nichols on my Sunday show on Racing TV suggested it's not completely impossible that Brave Man's game could run there, though he'd be more likely to wait for punches down. Clan de Zobo is certainly being targeted at Aintree, and he's a completely fresh horse. Shishkin is being targeted at the race as well. Aplutar, Henry de Bromhead, has announced is likely to go there, as is Ahoy Senor. So that's a, a proper race in prospect for the Betway Bowl, a real mini Gold Cup are going to take place at Aintree on a track that will favour an awful lot of those horses. And, of course, the intriguing dimension of Shishkin nudging his way up to, to three miles. But he'll certainly be put under pressure and put to the test. His application will be put under the test with a whole raft of you know aggressive races in that, like Ahoy Senor and like Clan des Obo, both of whom have got great form over the track. So that really is a mouth-watering prospect at Aintree, uh, the Betway Bowl and, of course, a few weeks hence because of the long gap with Easter in between. There is jump racing this weekend of significance in the UK as well. It is the traditional Mayor's Final at Newbury. It's also the running of the Goffs UK Bumper, a very valuable National Hunt flat race run for horses who've been bought at the Goffs UK May store sales. Anthony Honeyball is well represented in both those races. I'll talk about the bumper horses, both with very interesting pedigrees in a few moments' time. But I began by talking to him about Fortuna Linea in the Mayor's final. I think he might ha just have this one quite nicely handicapped. I think she might have, yeah. Um, we were. Um, she was third in a listed bumper at um, Cheltenham. And um, we were quite surprised what she found when she the when she was put under pressure in a good race like that, what she actually found, because she'd been beaten in a run-of-the-mill bumper at Fontwell, will be at the winner, did okay afterwards, but we were surprised she didn't win at uh, Fontwell. She went to Cheltenham and um, really stepped up 
uh, when when the pressure was on. So we're hopeful again. And again, um, we run at Plumpton in, in a off a sort of in a I think it was a naught to one hundred and five mayor's handicap and, and we've run well we've galloped all the way to the line but we've, we've not managed to win that so i'm hoping it's a similar scenario when when it comes to um running at newby when we step her up um the more asked of her the more we might get um we might even not quite sure yet we might even try um some headgear on her but she is she is pretty willing she just needs to sharpen up her jumping a touch so we might we might do that but we do intend to run her at Newby she's going to be at the lower end of the weight so we're hoping to win at Plumpton and get I said to the ends we'd be bang on bottom weight probably but actually um, I think our mark now probably you know puts us about right anyway so um, so we're okay on that score so we've got a nice lightweight going into it yeah the old classic of very strong bumper form relative to the handicap mark over hurdles so you might have just judged this to a nicety what about the two horses in the in the bumper this is a, a Goffs UK bumper for horses bought at the Goffs UK sale Dartmoor Pirate and, and Crest of Glory they've both got quite quite appealing pedigrees are they any good yeah, I hope so. Yeah, we've we've done a hell of a lot with them. We've done more than we generally would have would have done to prepare one for a bumper. We've gone the extra yard because we never felt like we'd get a debut run into them beforehand. And also this year, it's a strange one because it's, it's a four year old only, and and very few have run. Um, whereas normally it's open to the year before, but it's just sort of starting again with the sales bumper and up to a hundred thousand now. So we've uh, we've yeah we've we've done everything we can. They've been away. Um, been away jumping they've been away galloping um a couple of times um so yeah hopefully um they're, they're well geared up um they've both got lovely as you say they've both got lovely <coughs> lovely pedigrees um possibly lack a gear or two but hopefully we keep galloping um that uh, certainly seems to be the case with crest of glory anyway seems to be um Dartmoor Pirate perhaps has got a little bit more boot. Yeah, you, I was looking, looking, looking at the pedigrees. You, you'd kind of expect that they're both by Black Sam Bellamy, but Dartmoor Pirates from the family of Berejan, who was a very smart horse, and 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 Crest of Glories from that old. Um, it's the old Jethro family, isn't it? Of uh, of Mistinget, and and now Liz Lucas. Yeah. Liz Lucas has got that one, but it's a bit bit more stamina laden. Yeah, but actually, interestingly, the, the dam I think got to eighty seven on the flat. Um, his dam, and um, but like, as you say, it's. She was one hundred and twenty thousand yearling. Um, she it's a it's a yeah. He really has got one hundred and twenty two rated, or it might be slightly more now. Uh, brother, so uh, so we have got one sibling already come come out. Um, so yeah, I mean, but he is he does seem yeah he seems to travel okay, but just keep keep galloping. Right, I hope he keeps galloping. We, should, we definitely hope they'll both be um, in the mix anyway. Oh, great stuff. Best of luck at the weekend. You've got Sam Brown still in the national. Is that the plan? Yeah, I think so. Um, <clears throat> We've um, he actually ran quite nicely in his hurdle at Utah, so we were quite pleased with that. But there was a little bit of a rattle uh, when he pulled up, um, not not through the race, but a little bit of a rattle in his wind as he pulled up. So we've we've taken a punt and gone and um, pallet fired him yesterday. So and he's yeah. So we're sort of we're hopeful that um, he's reduced. I mean, we've got a one off one five nine in the national. He has reduced to one five six now over fences so we, we, we've got all options yeah we, we definitely I think we're all quite keen to have a go at the national if it was um, sort of nice ground he'd have a school over the national fences beforehand um, I thought his last two chase starts he looked it was too firm a ground at um, Newbury but he looked a little bit half-hearted um, we're a bit sort of why he lost his nerve a little bit so we just got to see see um, I don't think that's the case but he just you know just sort of dropped himself out a bit tamely so we're um, we're getting schooled up um, 
and, and give him a school of the national fences and see how he goes. Otherwise, he could run in the handicap he ran in last year or the Betfair Bowl. So it would probably be something in Aintree anyway. Trainer Anthony Honeyball with Aintree on his mind. And now let's hear from the man who for so many years was the voice of the Grand National for the BBC, but now delivers us weekly his postcard from Hong Kong. It is, of course, the one and only J.A. McGrath. Hi, Nick. It's been a big week in Hong Kong, a thrilling finish to the derby on Sunday, a shock 45-1 to winner, Voyage Bubble, ridden by the Frenchman Alexis Bedell, snatching it by a whisker from Tuchel, ridden by Ryan Moore. And the favourite Beauty Eternal, a close third, but on the day, disappointing. The Classic was run at a slow pace, which should have suited Beauty Eternal, who was short on experience and, as it turned out, short on stamina as well. The winner, Voyage Bubble, was dropped to the rear from the widest gate, 14, by Bedell, went right around the field, went three wide and wider coming around the turn, and he kept finding more all the way to the line. Remarkable. It points to Voyage Bubble being better than above average, if you know what I mean. But the result is also a warning that the present crop of four-year-olds are not great. They're not going to pose any threat to Golden 60 nor uh, Romantic Warrior. The other big race on Sunday, the Group 1 Queen's Silver Jubilee Cup, heralded the arrival. No, that's not quite accurate. It was the coronation of Hong Kong's newest star, Lucky Swainess, who saw off California Spangle and Wellington. He beat them pointless. No excuses for either. This weekend, a Hong Kong contingent head to Dubai for the World Cup night. Five horses in all, two tackle the Shima Classic. Russian Emperor is a 25 to 1 pop, and Senor Toba, ridden by Frankie Dottori, is a 50 to 1 chance. But Hong Kong also has a realistic winning chance in the Al Quaz, the race that the astute John Size has chosen for site success, who'll be ridden by Ryan Moore. He's 6 to 1 third favourite, and make a note. He's got a big, big chance of winning. Enough of Saturday. Let's look to uh, Happy Valley today, the usual nine-race card. And uh, I think Hugh Bowman's going to dominate again. He's ridden doubles at the last three meetings. He's in cracking form, and he's going higher and higher up that jockey's championship ladder. Well, his best chance is in race four, number one, Flying Silver, who's a course and distance uh, specialist. That's uh, 1,800 metres, nine furlongs. Uh, he's going for his fourth win in five starts over that uh, track and trip. So, uh, Flying Silver to win race number four, to beat number eight, uh, which is perfect to great. His other big chance is in race seven, number two, California Civil. Take that in a tote swinger with number six, Lucky Eight. That's all on the Hong Kong beat this week. I'll have more for you next week. All right, thanks to Jim. Uh, Rishi's back with me. Uh, you got a tip for me? You can tip one for Saturday night if you want. Yes, I'd love to tip one for Saturday night, Nick. I'm going to tip Happy Romance in the uh, Alquaz. Um, Al Sahail and Al Dasim are probably going to be uh, two horses well back for the race. Al Sahail, they dropped back to six furlongs and not entirely certain that's what he wants. Al Dasim is a three-year-old taking on older horses. It would be some achievement were he to prove successful. Happy Romance ran well in the race last year. She ran well in Saudi and I think she would be she won't be far away from winning. 
All right, Rish, thanks so much. And it would be remiss of me not to conclude this episode by paying tribute to Kicking King, uh, a wonderful horse who sadly passed away yesterday after a long and very happy retirement at the Irish National Stud. Winner of two King Georges, uh, one at Kempton Park, one at Sandown. The Kempton Park one, you'll remember, with a a blunder at the last and then a a guy dressed as Father Christmas running in his way. It, It was devastatingly impressive, however, uh, and then he won uh, at Sandown the following year when, when racing at Kempton was, was called off and p- postponed. He also won the Gold Cup in a blisteringly hot uh, year. Uh, it was a, about 22 degrees on Gold Cup Day in 2005 when he won. And he, he won with a brilliant display of jumping and traveling. Just a silky smooth horse who had a beautiful blend of pace and class. Uh, exquisitely trained for Connor Clarkson by Tom Taff and, and brilliantly ridden by Barry Geraghty. And one of the first sort of marquee horses of, of Geraghty's career after Monty's pass, but before the likes of Moscow Flyer and and Sprinter Sacra really kicked into gear. So uh, Kicking King, very fondly remembered by all, uh, a Super Gold Cup winner, a brilliant King George winner twice. And let's enjoy his finest hour again before we leave you for today. in second place gives chase now Barry Geraghty steals a half glance followed by Sir Rembrandt they run round the final turn and take the stand is laying it down in second place Tony Dobbin here Kicking King on the far side will have his stamina tested as they run to the second last then Sir Rembrandt Royal Eau Claire is running on over to our Kicking King and take the stand in the air together they're well clear of Sir Rembrandt and Royal Eau Claire Kicking King has about a length and a half on take the stand on the near side the to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.